religion, science, myths and legends all point toward the next evolution in human consciousness. What do the invisible realms hold? Who's telling us and how do they know? We're investigating insights from around the world to answer the question, what does the material world arise out of and where do we go once we've dropped the body? You're about to go interdimension with Robert Wallace to Undiscovered Spiritual Realities. Welcome to Spiritual Realities. This is Robert Wallace. We're talking today uh, about interdimensional realities and you. Starring interdimensional realities and you. Let me tell you more. Probably right now in your personal life, and I part of this brings me feelings of elation because it just it reminds me of just how far I'm living from these older, emptier feelings. And I don't even think about it because it's come on so gradually, but it's been such a beautiful gift. And it's so great to know that it was always there, always available, just as it is right now for you. And so I look forward to if you are one of those who are not having these interdimensional experiences, pointing you in the right direction, because it doesn't have to be difficult, actually. And it is the really the highest degree of spiritual satisfaction that I've gotten from in a, a lot of spiritual experiences, because... It is something that it's a state of mind that you can put yourself in at any time to go into these kinds of dimensions and uh, at least into the soul dimension. Um, and I think uh, when you're seeing and experiencing these phenomena, for a lot of people, at least, you know, for me, it really just removes any kind of possible doubt uh, as to whether it exists because there it is. So whereas before you're kind of striving towards these other realities, maybe you've had some spiritual experiences or you've done some psychedelics or something, or maybe you've had nothing and you were just hoping that one day the lights are going to turn on, okay? I think he was talking to Thomas. He said, blessed is he who sees and believes, but even more blessed is him who does not see and who believes. So if you've not had any vision of the spiritual dimensions and you're still seeking it, doubly blessed to you because you are not walking away empty-handed and if you've already seen the spiritual world either in uh, a vision or some sort of experience so you know that it's there and it's already kind of like propelling you forward to continue your investigation because you've seen enough you're still blessed it's just more blessed if you're working off of faith and you haven't even had that experience. I have had those experiences, uh, several of them. So, you know, granted, it did, inf it did inform both my childhood. I mean, ever since I was young, you know, little experiences sprinkled around. So it did kind of inform my mind, like, hey, these things are possible, which other people who didn't have those experiences would have never even thought in that way. So granted, less credit to me there. Uh, but then again, you know, I know, I, I don't know. Uh, what I would have achieved had I not had these uh, experiences in terms of being motivated. I would like to think that I would have been just as motivated, but to find a way to all naturally get myself in that state of mind all the time. And so, but at any rate, that's not a question for the people uh, this listening to this because you're listening to spiritual realities because you already believe in spiritual realities. So that whole two minutes is moot. Maybe I'll get rid of it. Number two, you going into spiritual realities is as easy as practicing certain practices. And there's a lot of distractions that happen because one of the big things that's part of all these techniques and practices is learning from the descriptions of accomplished spiritual researchers. And when you do that, you actually prime yourself to have those experiences. Well, granted, while you're doing that, that's a big thing. You're learning a lot. 
it's transforming you. There's so much content available. It's not that it could so much becomes a distraction, but sometimes we spend so much time looking at books and information about these other dimensions that we fail to go back to the beginning and also do the meditations and the techniques. And as a result, we know a lot. We can talk a lot about it intellectually with a, a great degree of uncertainty as to whether this correlates with that and what we're talking about when we're talking about this and where's that because we don't have you know, what they call in Scientology mass on the matter. You don't have anything to anchor it to in terms of a concept, a hard and fast concept, because it's all immaterial. Because we're talking about unmanifested beings that have no you know, counterparts or like things that you see in the physical world. Without maybe talking about you know, clouds or mists or different kinds of feelings and things, which isn't right either. Because it's a separate reality that's experienced. And it is, in fact, I don't want to say it's hard and fast but it is, or concrete necessarily. Uh, but it's alive and it's objective and it's real, objectively real, I should say, to your eyes. But at the same time, you are close to it. You're surrounded by it. You're experiencing it every day. You don't even know it. You're feeling it. You're feeling your uh, spiritual spiritual beings around you and in every touch on your skin, every itch. But can you interpret it? Can you know what it's saying? Does it, do you know the difference between when you feel an itch uh, right under the shoulder of your left arm or right under the shoulder of your right arm or in your armpit? Or on your foot, or on this toe, or that toe of this foot, and that side, when, and how, and did it hurt, and was it itchy, was it this or that, and all of those characteristics about, this is a whole other language. And then you're looking at beings in all different shapes and forms. And so, anyway, the point is, you can get in, but you got to figure out how do I still the body and silence the mind. And when you do that, great things happen. Now, of course, that's been the big crux. Like in my research, that's the big thing. It's like, oh, meditation, meditation, meditation. How do you meditate? Oh, you just, you know, still the mind. And then in conjunction with that, don't move. Okay. And in conjunction with that, I'm looking at the back of my eyelids. And that wasn't helping. And so after a bunch of that, I concluded, look, I was getting up at four in the morning and I said, meditation doesn't work. At least not the way I'm doing it. I believe that it worked, but the way I was doing it, I wasn't doing it right. And so after quite a while, I said, I'm just going to stop meditating until I figure this out. Until I'm actually doing something new. Because what comes to mind is definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over, expecting different results. And it's really great that I'm like practicing this, but I don't even think I have it down right. So I said, I'm going to collect the info, information. So I was listening to How to Know How It Worlds over and over and over and in my car and I'm on lunch at where I was working. And one day at the same point in the audio recording where Steiner says, basically, if you're not having these experiences, it's because you're not doing the meditations. And I cognited and I realized, yeah, you know, I just stopped meditating until I had new information and I've been collecting it and the methods and the little things that I need to make sure I keep in when I'm in the meditation zone. And I think I've done enough memorizing i think i have it memorized i could list it off and i could execute this i could do all these steps and then not think about it and be in that state and that was the thing it's like oh you gotta do this that i oh, forget this i gotta look at that it's like okay i'm still not doing it i still don't have enough info well now that i have it i'm gonna go do it so i went back to my office and i said let me try this again after hearing that clip that had me thinking and i said i'm not going to get up for from the spot here at my office i'm not going to get up all night if i don't have this experience i'm gonna sit here until it happens and so basically i mentally cleared my schedule and i said even into the morning i'm going to be right here so hide and seek here we go 
and boom, I'm gazing into a plant. I'm going through my mental checklist. I'm sending and feeling love back and forth. I'm stilling my mind. If I have any thought about anything, I'm directing it and making it about the plant from the plant's perspective. Ah, this is so key. Because once you break through on this and you start to see and you get in the state of mind where your attention goes away from making sure you're doing and not doing the things you're not supposed to do to get the results and all of a sudden things start to manifest then your attention goes on those new beings and those phenomena that you're looking at and that is holding you in that state of mind from then on out. And as a result, now you know what it feels like to have non-thought, stillness and non-thought because that's the way your body's feeling when you're observing these beings. And so now you know how to get back into that state where you're viewing these beings because you just get back into the way it felt when you're watching the beings. You feel very still, you feel calm, you feel in a gaze, you feel empty-minded, you're gazing. But it's more constructive than that too because you're not like daydreaming per se. You're not like you know, staring in that way. But ultimately it feels so relaxed that it's as if you were in a state of reverie or peaceful repose. And so, yeah, so as not to confuse anybody, I should say that too. Because there is a difference between sitting there peaceful repose and nothing happening and then sitting in peaceful repose and things happening. So it's on a very deep level that you really want to break through. You got to have the experience in a sense first to understand just how deep and fully it has to be felt. And But I do believe that a person could feel and meditate through stillness and get themselves there. This is how I did it. And so when I did it through this meditation, one of the things that I was told that I was going to end up feeling with Steiner is that you will feel the feelings that you feel when you see the moon coming up over the horizon, or you'll feel the feelings that you feel when you see the sun coming up over the horizon. And the moon you'll see when a plant is dying away, and the sun you'll sense that feeling when you are watching a plant blossoming and growing and so i'm like i don't know what i feel when i see when i feel the moon coming up over the horizon i never thought i felt anything really i just see the moon and it's a night and this and that i said so let me do this when i'm meditating on the plant i'm going to visualize a little tiny moon just so it's present in my field of vision as a visualization with my eyes wide open looking at this plant just so it re-stimulates whatever feelings that evidently I feel when I see a moon coming up over the horizon whether it's with it being present maybe I'll feel these feelings and maybe that'll satisfy that requirement and so I did that in conjunction with turning my thoughts toward the plant from the plant's perspective and being still and eliminating any other thoughts and you know in certain times when my thoughts would drift for a moment I bring them right back I would I would visualize me trying to hang my thoughts up like they were stuck in the middle of a spider web because I didn't want to have a thought that was grounded in another thought or that was going to branch off into another series of thoughts. I wanted to suspend my bated breath in the middle of a spider's web. So it's, you know, it's sort of speak so that it's just hanging there unconnected to anything else. It's so still, nothing has access to it. It's not reaching it. It's just suspended, suspended in midair, bated breath, the stillness. That was where my head is at. And then the plant started to seem to glow. And the room started to get darker on the plant. And the plant started to grow brighter by comparison, or as though the darkness was revealing a brightness that existed, which I can clarify uh, later. And then it seemed like the plant was floating in front of me. It was like winding, like moving upward, waving back and forth. And so I kind of snapped out of it when I entered into that snake and I became super excited and elated because I just made a massive discovery and that discovery is accessing another dimension. And so with that said, that discovery 
of having entered into an altered state of consciousness all naturally in the middle of the day with the sun right there sitting at my desk. This is natural as can be so that it's totally replicatable. And that was a very exciting moment. And I found this little course book that I had from this other guy named Eric Pepin. And he's got a program called uh, Higher Balance. It's his company. And he's got a program called The In-Between. And it's a program I had gotten a year or so before. And I... Because, you know, I've been trying whatever I could to get into this other dimension. That's what his course appealed to me, you know. Uh, oh, DMT experiences, you know, like, you know, all naturally elicit DMT out of your pineal gland and enter into these other dimensions through a very specific, you know, meditation technique. And it didn't, it didn't work. I don't want to say it didn't work. I didn't work it. I wasn't able to work it. I wasn't comprehending or doing. And so he said, oh, you got to go back a gradient. Oh, you know, go back gradients until we can find what works. Well, when I found Steiner and How to Know Higher Worlds and then his processes, that actually produced that result. So I picked up that booklet from a year before right there, and then I went through the process, the list, and I tried to kind of blend it with the experience I just had, thinking if they're both the same, going to the same place, then they're probably going to have similar feelings. And sure enough, as I'm going through and kind of with the consciousness of that state I was just in, I went right back into this interdimensional type of state. I don't know if I should call it more is more intra-dimensional. No, it went in. It was intra-intra. Inter being like this other dimension. Intra being like this in-between dimension. And so yeah, it starts off with the world around you becoming modified and, and glowing and looking different and and things like that. But then it ends up being okay. Now it's different completely. Now this plant has been transfigured into something else completely. And so that would be the interdimensional. And so you know when things are moving. And it's like, how is that lifting up? It's like, when did it change from a, a physical thing to a spiritual thing right before my eyes? You start focusing on it's a etheric double or something, and then it's moving, and before you know it, it's like magic. It's like, who swapped it out with the fake one? Uh, but no, it's the, it's the thing. And Steiner talks about, later I would read about, that it's one of the beginner's things that, you would, that plants, for instance, appear to start floating, and that it's actually the mind doing that. Well, I can't believe he'd even documented that I was going to see this. I mean, I've never experienced this. So, but that lets you know you're right on track. So that night, uh, and that was like on a dead plant. I don't know, like an orchid without a blossom. That night I got home and I'm sitting on the bed and I'm looking at an orchid across the room. And I go through the meditation steps and I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this again. And I did the same things I did before. Really try to suspend my thoughts hanging in the middle, kind of visualize the spiders. But just, I just want to be hanging. I had to give it some mass. Like, how is it hanging or suspending itself? Let's just say it's like that. And then I saw the moon, put a little moon there. I'm breathing uh, love. I'm thinking about thoughts from the plant's perspective. And as I'm doing this, the plant gets bright. The whole thing starts to happen again. The room, a pall comes over the room, a pall, you know, like a dark cloud sort of thing. But except around the plant where it's like glowing and like a purplish type of glow. And then it's getting brighter and brighter. And I'm actually start thinking love. Like, I love you, plant. I'm sending love. Like, I deeply love you, nature, love. And I'm kind of like imagining a transmission of love coming back from the plant. And so I'm intensifying this light by experiencing this trait of love. Well, at the same time, only thinking its thoughts, keeping my eyes rested, keeping my body still and calm and relaxed, and all the other steps. And so as a result, it gets so bright brighter and brighter and brighter that all of a sudden I blast over into it. It becomes as bright as the sun. You know, people say stuff sometimes because that, you know, some things manifest like that. It's like it gets and it overtakes you. It's a light. It starts small and dull and it brightens and then widens its diameter until it 
overtakes you or you seem to go into it or it you know overtakes you and then from there there was another dimension there was a horizon in front of me all of a sudden i was in this white the white light turned into a white room space outside environment-ish sort of thing and like a white floorish and you know just white light everywhere but on the horizon is a man standing i call him a man he's actually humanoid in that he had two arms two legs you know fingers and toes and a head but all of his skin was completely white with pink circular splotches about it. And then his head, there was no hair on the top of it. It went up and then on the left side and then down, you know, if he's looking at me, and down at a, at a sharp uh, kind of pitch. So it was like a downward slanted up and then down. And then it was like if you draw on the capital letter N, you go up and then you go down. So it's like that. So it's like a triangle going to the side. And he was smiling. He was in a bliss. He was happy. He was peaceful. I felt so much love and joy just being in there. Like it was automatic. It was kind of like you're being showered in love. It was like instant upness. And I was like, whoa, I feel so great. I was in ecstasy. And <laughs> I was looking at this guy and I'm like in astonishment, A, that I'm in this world and I'm looking around and all this light and feeling all this love. And then B, I'm looking at this guy, plant man, he's standing there and you know, light blasting out from behind him and he's in bliss. And I'm feeling like I've got the giggles because this is just so awesome. And I start thinking selfish thoughts, personal thoughts. Like, how did I get, what is this? Like, I can't believe this. This is amazing. Like, really just thoughts that were focused on my own reaction so instead of just being there i was caught up in astonishment i was caught up in having to analyze it name it and all of this kind of stuff because that's what you're used to doing if you walk into a room here and everything's crazy you're gonna go oh it's crazy what's this this is that and you gotta you gotta keep it together when you're over there because that state of mind that got you there that changes if you start doing that and it kicks you out so anyway i start being pulled out as a result of like this onslaught of thoughts and then it's just light and then the light is kind of dulling into a spot and the room is starting to come into view and then the room is dark and the plan is bright and the bright's brightness of the planes calming down while the room's coming back into focus and boom i'm back into dead solid reality i was sitting next to neil and i said neil you're not going to believe what just happened and i recounted it to him and sure enough i don't know if you believe me he will probably say he probably didn't so much i suspect i mean he convinced me enough but it was a, a, immaterial it didn't matter because it happened and so now i'm just like oh my gosh just two in a row this both of these are in the same night you know where i was doing the plan on the desk and then actually i had that little incident where i was going through the pamphlet and then that happened again and then this is now the third time with the orchid now the fourth time this night this, all, this is all in the same evening within the same few hours all this there was a plant in the corner of the room and i said i'm gonna do this meditation on this plant if the plant light this etheric light or whatever is astral light is getting so bright that it overtakes the opaque brightness this weak spiritual light overtakes the physical brightness of the room imagine if i did it with the lights off so lights went off and i pointed my attention into the corner of the room at another plant and because i couldn't really you know focus on the plant itself and see the plant i just put my eyes in that general direction and i started feeling and thinking the thoughts and feelings visualized moon thought about the feelings of the plant from the plant's perspective i was back into that state of mind that i had felt when i had had these two prior experiences and so i was just you know really forcing myself to get into that state of mind and would you know it a purple cloud a little purple cloud above over stood over that plant where the plant was it was in the corner i was looking in the right direction there was the a purple lavender kind of fluorescent -y, uh color 
you know, maybe like ultraviolet, I guess would be safe to say. And then there was some glitter in it, it was sparkling inside the cloud. And then there was something uh, like two like attached wings or something. I don't know what they were. They were flipping and flapping. They were like connected, but flipping, whapping, and then going back and forth. That was astonishing because now I'm like pulling my eyelids wide open to stare into the darkness at this ultraviolet purple cloud of glitter and something flipping and flapping over this plant. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like I know I'm not hallucinating it. Like, I mean, I'm just so happy because I'm like, I, I'm trying to disprove it in every way to eliminate any possibility of disappointment when I become like disillusioned or something like that. And so after that, I said, okay, if this happens when I'm doing it toward a plant in the dark and I'm seeing this, what would it look like if I held the state of mind and just looked into thin air? So I said, I'm going to hold the state of mind. So I got back into that state. And then I moved, physically moved my head to look into the dark hallway and just hold that state. And then I started to see apparitions of beings wafting and moving about in various forms and formats. Animal-like beings surrounded by rotating neon-colored outlines. Beings in humanoid shape that were of light and of shadow, of like dark even though I'm looking in the dark, something darker than dark that's still... So it's almost like the illumination of the ultraviolet astral light created by contrast, a space where beings could be dark, even though it's still pretty dark. It's just kind of a purplish. And then the light beings. So now this light is kind of illuminating lighted beings. I don't know how to explain that. Well, anyway, so here's a problem. Well, I mean, I could probably explain it more simply, but I'd have to get more technical, but just looking at it as to whether these beings are emitting the light or it's because the light that I'm perceiving that's illuminating them, that is kind of, okay, a little bit of a question at this moment for me. And so from then on, that was over five years ago. So now every night I see them. Now it's kind of like I just see them because at first, like I would focus in to see them. I'd have to focus, but now it's like I can't help but see them in a sense because I'm looking for them immediately. You know, these forms and they fill space and you know they waft about and they approach me and i have physical feelings when i feel them moving i see a humanoid walk next to me (laughs) and then uh and i feel his presence as he's passing by me or coming into me passing through me and it's all these are soul forms and for five years i didn't know that these beings i was creating they were being cast off of my soul from the thoughts and feelings that i was thinking and feeling that day they were casting off beings and populating my soul ambience my soul environment my direct space and so that again it's i think i talked about this another episode it's one of the things that have steiner says you know you don't want premature consciousness of these planes because what happens is people either think they're they're directly interacting with alien foreign realities or that are separate from them or they get afraid and basically you want to put your head in a hole like an ostrich and hope that you can make them disappear and i had crazy stuff like that happen where i thought it's crazy now what i know looking back but i thought i was you know scared like oh my gosh like did i open up a demonic portal of hell or you know who are these beings are these spirits and they're you know and it's because i was undereducated steiner says we really need to not try to a we don't force yourself access into these other worlds don't force it and two you need to do it with the advice with the knowledge of a an experienced spiritual researcher an accomplished spiritual researcher aka an initiate and so that's what steiner's had in a higher world so even though i went for all these five years listening to this book over and over and over and studying it in different which ways and now i'm writing it by hand and re reading it and you know of course having 
new revelations, but in the last few months, five months, something, I've come to realize that these were my own soul beings, not a soul offshoots coming off my own soul instead of these other beings. So I wasted a lot of time having all kinds of feelings and anxieties about basically what amounts to being afraid of one's own shadow. I mean, I created them and here I am, you know, and then it's my own feelings of then your fear that are creating more of them and the more of them, yeah, and it gets out of control. And then, you know, before you know it, you're like flailing about because, you know, it's like, uh, you know, the law of attraction. It's like what you resist persists. And it's like all of a sudden you're resisting and it just keeps persisting and coming at you and coming at you and you don't realize that it's only mirroring what you're doing and you're only responding to your own mirrored thoughts and feelings based on your own fears, which is based on your own lack of education and understanding. And so that's kind of the worst case scenario for people who are afraid to get into this because like, I don't want to be afraid. Well, you're not supposed to be afraid. It's actually wrong if you're afraid. You're doing it wrong if you're afraid. You know, I didn't have anybody kind of telling me. I had people telling me, sources, you know, at some point. But I'm really like, okay, I got to get myself in here. Time's of the essence. And so I'm following these instructions. I'm trying to, you know, hack them together to figure out what's, what combination is going to give me something to work with. And I did that without having a really good, deep understanding of, A, like saying you can't really describe something that can't be described truly. You can't really correctly apprehend or have a conceptual understanding of something that is uh, so foreign to you that there's not even words to convey it. So that you're having to piece through your mental conceptions what's told to you into something that you'll be able to recognize when it makes its appearance unexpectedly and not in the form you would expect. So with that said, I just can't say enough about How to Know Higher Worlds by Rudolf Steiner because you can prevent that. But the moral of the story is there's no need to be afraid. It's a basically a sin to approach it with fear. And it is your inevitable future. It's the direction that you're going if you're on a quest for immortality, interdimensional states of conscious awareness. You got to have these experiences. Sometimes I talk to people who are so spiritual. They seem so spiritual. But I can't talk to them about other dimensions. Now, granted, Steiner doesn't say we should be talking about these things. So there could very well be people I've been talking to. They just can't talk about it because they observe like a perfect initiate rules about certain things that should not be discussed at certain stages. And understandably so. I mean, I just got done talking for five years to people about something that was coming out of my own soul. Now, granted, even that, even telling the people I'm looking into my soul realm, it it isn't as uh, any more meaningful or impressive to them than if it had been a separate reality because they don't believe you in any sense. So talking to people is almost useless. If you're trying to sell somebody on, hey, you should go under the bench, this is what I'm experiencing, don't know your audience, it's a good chance they're just going to think you're crazy no matter what you say, no matter how true it is for you, no matter if the beings you're looking at are standing right next to them and you're on your own this path you're on your own your own spouse people closest to you they can't know what they don't know any more than i would have known had i been in a similar situation with somebody who was having those experiences well i wasn't i wouldn't have known i would have assumed part of me probably would have been a little jealous part of me would have been a little bit skeptical i would have tried to poke holes or to look for reasons to undermine or disbelieve them but ultimately no matter what i said or did it wouldn't matter or change or help anything. Because I, I'm no different for the wear. I can't see anything more. Whatever they're doing or saying, you know, you know, they're not walking on water or whatever. I mean, at least I'm not at this point. So what good is it? So that's what some people say. Well, what's the point? Who cares? You know, what does it help? How does it help you? Well, in, in my way of thinking, who, what are you talking about? How is it helping you? You're looking into, a, they're beginning to enter into another dimension and you already want to know how that's going to help me pay my bills. Like, wh- how did I engage in this conversation with you? That's like very materialistic. You're 
talking about a spiritual world. This is beyond what any billionaire can buy for himself. This is part of the greatest treasure a person can come upon in their entire in all of their existences. And we want to know how's that going to help me? We all know about the magical miracle working powers of uh, a fully healthy developed spiritual conscious awareness. We want to go into heaven. A lot of people say, "Hey, when I die, I want to go to heaven." Uh, that's a pretty universal kind of theme. Most people want that, I think. And so, how is this going to help me? I don't know how to answer that question. So, I have to go back and really just break down the implications a little bit of what I feel these experiences are presenting us with because obviously people don't know what you see. They're not going to be able to take off of your excitement or what the implications. Some people will approach this so pragmatically, so level-headedly. I want to be able to share this with somebody who doesn't know and help them get into this experience who can be great with it. Because yeah, my personality, I got a lot of stuff that I need to work on, whatever. There's some people whose personalities are so awesome as it is. Imagine if they had this kind of insight, what kind of leadership they would take up or what kind of, what they will do with this or how much further they could take it, how much more disciplined some of these other people who could have the same experience, what they could do with it. And so for me, I mean, I feel like I've squandered uh, a lot of time with it, but I've learned a lot. It's just taken me a long time. I just know there's people who could pick this up and run with it quick, who are just quicker in their brain uh, than I've been. And I'm excited to, you know, see the kind of change those people bring. And, you know, if you're one of them, if you're curious, well, what, what would I do with her? What, you know, what's he talking about? I mean, how to know how your worlds. RudolfSteinerAudio.com. Over 200 free audiobooks from Rudolf Steiner is there, including How to Know Higher Worlds. Just click, go to that page, How to Know Higher Worlds, uh, RudolfSteinerAudio.com, and click Alphabetical Listing and go down to higher, How to Know Higher Worlds. And I would read the Bamford translation, the newer one, but uh, they're all fine. It doesn't matter. It's also known under knowledge of higher worlds and its attainment. There's a lot of steps. There's a lot of preparatory. There's a lot of detailed information, a lot of simple things and stuff, but it doesn't, it's simple, but it's not so simply done at first because we are subconsciously, for the most part, subconsciously geared towards behaving in the littlest ways in a certain way. And we don't even realize the kinds of challenges that come with making little changes, finding a way to love everybody and to have a sense of equilibrium in our thinking and to practice a a right judgment when we're thinking about anything. And so there's all these little details that seem like, oh yeah, it should be common sense. We should be teaching it to kids. We should know it if we'd grown up with um, disciplined parents or whatever. But it's not so easily uh, said that, you know, necessarily having those in, in order is enough to keep those in when you are tried by things you couldn't even imagine. And then at the same time, realize that these disciplines are the keys to keeping you in that state. You wouldn't even know when you fell out of that state and became disoriented because you were challenged like never before. So it's important to know that these processes are key to getting you in the state and keeping you in the state and that all these other thoughts and feelings aside of, you know, these processes can pretty much answer up to that and be handled with these disciplines that were being taught and the uh, six basic exercises and these other techniques. So this is Robert Wallace. I think I'm going to let it go. I think we had a good time today. I appreciate your participation. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, write me uh, uh, robert at spiritualrealities.net if you want to buy real estate in North Shores area of Chicago. I'm selling it under Waldorf Abodes. Like Waldorf Education thing. Rudolph Snyder. Because we treat you right. And uh, so that's WaldorfAbodes.com. Robert at Waldorf Abodes. Which is probably none of the listeners. But um, while we're talking. This is really about the spiritual life. So let me know if you have any experiences you want to talk about. Experiences.